there. Welcome back to Needed Conversations. This is Ryan and Victoria Cole, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're still in season five of our podcast, but we're excited about everything that's unfolding for our ministry this year. We have so many plans for marriage events, even prophetic gatherings um, mm-hmm. here in the upstate of South Carolina, but marriage events around the world were currently looking to be back in New York, and we're going to go to Florida this year. That's just a few that's on our radar, but for all your marriage resources and to find out where we're going to be, when we're going to be, just go to moremostforever.com, and that's your one-stop shop for all things marriage and dating. So if you're in the process of of trying to find a spouse or, or get married, we have all the resources for you. And if you're married, of course, we have books and free webinars. All that is right there at moremostforever.com. What are you most excited about for this year, Victoria? I guess I'm just excited for new beginnings and doing new things and new adventures, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think last year, or maybe it was the year before, we talked about throwing out your resolutions because mm-hmm. it's really ineffective. I think if you start January off with uh, lofty ideas that aren't necessarily connected to a greater mission. And so we really focused on purpose and we're going to continue to talk about purpose this year, but in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the biggest crises that we are facing as a a generation is the crisis of identity. And over the course of this podcast and a few after this, you're going to hear the prophetic implications of what's happening in our culture right now and what our position is as believers. And it's not unsurprising to me, but it may be to you that we in the body of Christ are struggling in as much as people in the world are when it comes to identity because religion has caused us to divert far away from God's original design and even in particular marriage, Mm -hmm. right? And solving that dilemma of gender balance in the home. We need both the male and the female expression. And, And so when you lack one or the other, that can tend to cause confusion in the next generation. And I know that you can't control all circumstances, right? There are people who are going to be born into single-parent households. But I don't think that we as a church have done as good of a job as we should have with helping to fill those gaps so that the male and the female expression is present in everyone's life. And that is just one of the reasons why we're experiencing an identity crisis right now. But there's various other reasons as well. It's, it's a big tactic of the enemy. But that's what we really want to focus on this year because I believe 2023 is a year of identity. This is a year where the challenges we have had, even with the LGBTQ plus and so on and so forth community, is going to come to a head. I believe the greatest revival um, that we could have ever believed for is coming partly Uh, through the LGBT community, and they're going to be converted. And we have to be ready as believers to help them in the process of discovering their identity in Christ. And in order to do that, we have to be sure ourselves Mm -hmm. in who we are in Christ. 
Yeah, I think if we reel it way back, you know, a lot of times we want to address the root of the problem, but we see all these symptoms that arise in the world. But I think if we go back and look to, you know, the root cause of why the person is struggling with their identity, it really starts within the home. And like you said, not everybody's going to have that two dynamics of parents. And it could be both parties present, but not present. You know what I'm saying? You could have a father, you could have a mother, and they're both there, but they're not present. And so I think for us as a church, we have to step up and make sure that our our kids and our youth are affirmed and know who they are and whose they are, their identity, so that the world doesn't tell them you can be whatever it is that you want to be. The world really wants to give this superficial um, solution mm-hmm. to the upcoming generation. And then, the you know, they may enjoy it within that one or two seasons, but they'll come to find out fairly quickly that they're not fulfilled yeah. and they're not satisfied because it's not something that can be sustained because we understand that, it, you know, our identity is not defined by our past season or even our previous season or what it is that we do. It's, it's given to us by God. And I think when we are uh, assured of who we are in Christ, then we can do mighty and great exploits you know, with that confidence, because we are, we know what role we're supposed to play and what is our purpose. So it really stems to going back to the, you know, that home and how you were, how you grew up and how you were raised and addressing those root problems so that, you know, when you have a spouse, you're not dealing with the the trauma. And then when you guys have kids, you're able to raise your children in a positive environment where you are affirming them in the God-given purpose that he has placed upon their life. Yeah, the world offers sort of this antidote, but the antidote, in, in fact, actually turns out to be a poison because uh, at, at first taste, it feels like, oh, this is going to help me with this identity dilemma. But it's, as you said, very superficial. It is based on sort of uh, this these external qualities that you're presenting to the world as if your your name is not enough of an identity marker, you have to then identify with certain categories of sexuality or gender, and then gender becomes this sort of malleable construct that, you know, there's no concrete. But we as believers know that that's not true. Um, the first book that I wrote about marriage was called I Love You More, Most, and Forever. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I wrote it early 2019, I think just as we were starting to see kind of the ramifications of gender ideology in the world, and I really was ahead of the curve and didn't even know it. It was prophetic in nature because you and I sat and read some of those chapters this morning that are at the beginning of the book, and as many of you know, we've talked about it, the book is about the Tabernacle of Moses as a blueprint for dating, the outer court, the inner court and the Holy of Holies. However, I felt so pressed to take the first section, really the first two or three chapters of the book, and deal with identity, gender roles, sexuality, sexual confusion, and there is some profound revelation that I give going all the way back to Genesis and then carrying that through the Bible as to God's design for sexuality and the power of the marriage to be that conduit for the full expression of gender to be revealed in the earth and ultimately revealing the nature and the image of God. 
It says in his image, he created them, male and female. And so the image of God isn't reflected in us as individuals per se, but it's reflected when we come together as a husband and wife, because together we reflect the full spectrum of gender as God designed it to be. And uh, I wish if you have not read this book, I Love You More, Most, and Forever, I'm going to be releasing it in PDF pretty soon. I really want to do an audio book this year, so be on the lookout for that. You should go and read. And in fact, I'm going to be continuing this conversation and leaning more towards the prophetic, you know, Bible teaching side of things on Facebook. I did this thing called Breaking Through the Noise once a week where I would teach prophetically from the Bible and what's going on in the world and try to break through the lies that are constantly being spewed at us. And I'm feeling prompted to to go back into that. So if you're not following me on Facebook, Ryan Cole Empowerment, go there or on YouTube where you're watching this, we're going to be releasing that video as well. Um, It's, you know, at Ryan Cole Empowerment on YouTube as well. But one of the main reasons, do you want to jump in there really no, quickly? Go ahead. One of, one of the main reasons why I wanted us to start here at the top of the year is because the number 23 is a number of identity. I do this thing um, every year around the Jewish New Year, which is typically in September, where I start looking at the Hebrew New Year, you know, as it aligns with our Gregorian calendar, which we are now in 2023. And those numbers have prophetic significance and, and meaning. And so as we look at the number 23, it is uh, from a Hebrew and a prophetic perspective, a number of identity. And it's a number that that speaks to God's grace upon our lives uh, to fulfill the calling that he has placed upon us because the three and the two together are five. Five is a number of grace. But even more specifically, there are some other um, scriptures that speak to this as well. In particular, Psalms 23, which is where we're going to be digging into in the next episode. We're going to be going line upon line. What is Psalms 23? It's such a famous chapter, but if we really dig into uh, why it was written, obviously we know it came from David, um, but where was David at in his life and, and what are the ramifications of these words? Like, what was this process that he was going through? We know that he was rejected by his family. He was an outcast among his brothers. And, you know, even his uh, conception was questionable. The Bible talks uh, in kind of vague language, but there's something going on to where his father, Jesse, doesn't really consider him a son in the way that he considered all of the other boys in the family sons. And then you have him working in the field when everybody else has uh, kind of more uh, front-facing responsibilities, and there he is taking care of the sheep. And he's having this sort of identity crisis, and he is singing to himself, and he's looking at the sky, and he has this profound revelation about God that ultimately gives him an understanding of who he is and what he was called to do. Now, I don't know in particular where uh, the anointing of Samuel uh, falls, whether it was before or after this narrative, but it was right around this time that Samuel overlooks all the other men uh, that were his brothers and pours the oil from the horn onto the head of David. And, and really, it's sort of referenced in the text. 
So whether it was before or after, it was somewhere around this time, we hear him say these famous words, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we're going to go through this entire text as it relates to identity. 23 is a number of identity for several other reasons. And in particular, as it relates to the LGBT community as well, um, many people don't realize that Jezebel is this evil force in the Old Testament. We know Elijah uh, has some confrontations with her, but ultimately it was eunuchs who she had castrated in her her domineering, controlling ways, right? And if you don't know what castrating is, you you probably want to Google it, but um, ultimately she made these men um, without genitalia. She demasculinated them, and ultimately it was those same eunuchs that ended up killing her. And so if we look at Jezebel, her name is mentioned 23 times in in the Bible. And I believe, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to see an uprising from among the LGBT community of those who the enemy has tried to castrate, those who the enemy has tried to confuse to the point of, of death and suicide even. And they are going to rise up and overthrow the spirit of Jezebel. 23 is an important number that represents warfare because most of our struggles that we have don't originate externally. The book of James talks about this, but it originates internally. If we uh, look at the number 23, it means increased warfare, but it doesn't mean fighting with flesh and blood. It means that you're warring from a greater awareness, a greater wisdom and maturity. We see this in the Old Testament. The Lord told um, Moses to number and ready men for war and to gather those who were 23 years and older. It speaks of a maturity, and that speaks to an understanding of your identity and what you're called to do. There was only one tribe that was excluded from warfare. That was the tribe of Levi. They took care of the tabernacle. And interestingly enough, the tribe of Levi uh, had a recorded population of 23,000 men. Um, And so these numbers are all pointing towards this concept of identity. I hope you're hearing me. And finally, even if we look scientifically, where does identity begin? Identity begins within your biology you know, and how we were created down at our smallest details, right? You and I are made up of 23 chromosomes from our mother and 23 chromosomes from our father that determine who we are as a person biologically and specifically whether or not we will be a male or a female. Now, I said all that, Victoria. What are your thoughts so far before we jump into Psalms 23 and start going over that just a little bit. Um, I mean, I always am fascinated, I mean, especially how you can pull out a lot of the symbolism in the Bible and how it all kind of runs through, you know, our DNA and how we were created and how it all, you know, is confirmed even scripturally. So I, I find it very fascinating. But one of the things that we talked about, you know, earlier in the day about, um, how God created them. And it was interesting because I I feel like I didn't know this revelation until maybe like a year ago, even though you wrote a book, I think when I started reading it, I didn't know that 
actually, it was like one person. They weren't mm-hmm. like even separated. It was all encompassing in Adam. Like yeah. the the male and the female was both together. And then until later, it was when it was like separated, which was very interesting to me. You know, you were saying about the LGBTQ community and how the enemy is so purposeful with what he does. You know, with all of these gender labels that we have been hearing, they, them, switching, he, she. But I was thinking to myself, it's so interesting that an individual says we are they, them. It's like the enemy is deceiving you that you as an individual can encompass that by yourself. And I feel like the enemy wants to deceive you that you can operate as a sole individual without anything, anybody, no no higher power, no nothing, you know? It sounds almost like there's like a legion of demons. You know what I'm saying? It's not really the individual mm-hmm. um, that says, you know, this is what you know, they're called, but I think even going back to when Jesus casted uh, the demons out of the guy that was in the caves, you know, he said, what is your name? And he said, legions. So there was like, it was like, because we are many, there's many of them. And so when I hear that, sometimes you could tell in the person that they are oppressed Mm -hmm. by a demonic force. Yeah. And, and I don't want to demonize people who may be listening to this, who have that kind of struggle. Um, because I I know we've emphasized a lot with the LGBT community. However, this struggle with gender is something that we all face, whether or not you have a struggle in your sexuality or in your gender identity or, or not. I think even in marriages right now, what we're seeing is some of the greatest struggles is the gender roles that people are playing. I mean, Even in church. I mean, we've had yeah. these discussions with some of our friends, and it's still a struggle in the church about women not teaching. Women can do all of these things, but for some reason they cannot teach or preach, even though there's so many examples of Jesus talking to these women, and these women who have experienced this transformation ran and told all of these people. Yes. And it, it was it's so powerful. Like I don't I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it's like Jesus is trying to shut people down. I think whenever we want to dominate a specific a specific gender because we feel like that that's the authority that God gave us instead of saying Jesus came here to serve and he has called us as individuals to serve one another. So if you're if it's in you to really want to dominate, then you're really not serving as unto the Lord. You're really just trying to um, make a name for yourself, make a name for yourself, but also just trying to, you know, stand out and feel like that you have all this dominance. But really, you don't have authority. If you have to dominate over somebody and people don't even recognize you, you're trying to demand them to recognize your title. That means you don't have authority. Everybody has this dilemma, and I said this recently at a conference, like we can look at the LGBT community and those who are, you know, shifting pronouns and all of this and and demonize them, but we have to look at ourselves and take responsibility within the church. Like we treat titles, Mm -hmm. you know, pastor, apostle, prophet, you know, in in the same way that they have treated pronouns, Mm -hmm. like we're demanding people recognize us as something, not understanding that our ordination and our recognition comes from the Lord. And it's the same thing in the LGBT community that they are demanding that you affirm 
what I claim that my gender identity is, you know, and, and so if we're going to be able to help convert those for in that confusion, we've got to get out of the confusion ourselves. We've yeah, got to lay absolutely. aside our pride and put our dependency back upon Christ. So wrapping this full conversation, you know, bringing this all together, I think that identity is a struggle that everyone has. There is a demonic force. There are many spirits at work, whether it's possession or oppression. We are all wrestling with it right mm-hmm. now. And it's not exclusive to people outside of the body of Christ. Even within the church, the four walls of the church, we are still struggling and grappling with this concept of identity, right? We're wrestling with who we are and what our position is in the body of Christ, you know? And we have to be healed in order to help heal the world. And I think that begins... In the home, I think it begins with tracing back how we were shaped as children and where our deficiencies were, because identity comes from this maleness and femaleness that finds its fullest expression within the covenant of a marriage. And if we can't get marriage right, we're not going to be able to solve this dilemma in any way. Um, again, we've been mentioning this, and, and it comes from my book, Gender is a God construct, right? Even though God is not relegated to male or female, right? We call him a he because that is a term that denotes a position and authority. But but God, you know, doesn't have any gender. Um, and as the church, we collectively make up the bride of Christ. So we carry that feminine role in the relationship Um, juxtaposed to Christ, who is the bridegroom, you know, he is the groom, we are the bride. So whether you're male or female, you know, you are a part of the bride of Christ. And so what Victoria was saying, and it's plainly there in the book of Genesis, we oftentimes refer to this um, passage of of the, the Garden of Eden, and we say Adam and Eve. But Eve did not get her name until they were cast from the garden, until they had sinned. And God didn't even give her that name. Adam gave her that name. And it was there that we see this conflict of the curse begin to emerge. That was part of the curse that women, you you will seek to rule your husband. And men, you will dominate your wives. Like this is the age-old dilemma that finds its tentacles within this gender struggle that we're facing in culture right now. I hope this makes sense, and I hope that you're listening to me, because you might be a believer, but you're struggling with your identity. You say, well, I'm not struggling with my sexuality or whether or not I'm a man or a woman, but you're still lost in who you are and what your purpose is. And I pray that you read through to what we're saying so that you hear this clarion call in 2023 to discover your identity, to pursue Christ with with reckless abandon and allow him to speak into you and reveal to you who you are in him apart from the, the roles that you play, the jobs that you have, the degrees that you've earned. These things do not define you. What defines you is that you have been bought with a price, a child of God, and you've been bought with the blood of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and you have been given value through that sacrifice. And he has placed a unique purpose on the inside of you to fulfill in the earth. 
I, I, yeah, and you know, one of the things that we've mentioned before about praying with our kids when we go to school, it's a prayer that they say, and it, it's really affirming them <clears throat> that their identity comes from God, and they can be assured that no one can take it from them. So one of the things in the prayer is, I'm not what I okay, do. I'm not what I do. Uh-huh. I'm not what I have. I'm not what people say about me. I'm the beloved of God. It's who I am. No one can take it from me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with the world. But the whole aspect of the whole beginning of it in the middle is it's not about what you have. It's not about anybody else calling you a specific thing. It's who God has called you. And nobody can take that away from you. Right. Even if they say, you know, you're this and this and this, you have to allow those words to fall by the wayside and listen and tune your ear to hear what God says about you and who you are. Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says plainly here, In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female, created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam, in the day when they were created. This is powerful. Yeah. Like, it's a mystery how this happened, but this is a reflection of what occurred in Genesis chapter 1, when he created Adam as this all-encompassing creation with both male and female. But it wasn't good that he be alone. And so God pulled the wife out of the husband, and they both carried the authority of Adam, but in two unique expressions, one as a husband and one as a wife. And so in my way of trying to interpret this as uh, easily as possible, Um, one of them became known as Adam, husband, and the other one was known in the garden as Adam, wife. This is my attempt at a, a, a proper translation to help us understand what was happening in the garden before they sinned. And so these two individuals were two part of one man. The word man is Adam. And so she was Adam, wife, and he was Adam, husband. And so it was in their ability to work together that they were able to fulfill the dominion mandate because God gave the dominion mandate to them. It said in the image of God, he created them, male and female. Mm -hmm. And then he gave them this dominion mandate to be fruitful, multiply, uh, replenish the earth, subdue, have dominion over all the fish, over all the creeping things on the earth. And we as human beings individually cannot fulfill the dominion mandate, nor can we fully reflect the image of God. You can say all day long, I'm made in the image and the likeness of God. But apart from your counterpart, whether you're male or female, you are only making up half of the image of God. And in fact, those two names of wife and husband, when you bring them together, are two parts of the Hebrew name of God. And so you see this full encompassing revelation of this marital union of man and woman, maleness and femaleness, fully expressed in the union of marriage. And so it's not hard to understand why when the marital union is broken apart and we don't understand what the role of a man is and what the role of a woman is, that we would have all of these ramifications that, that show up throughout culture. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting a couple other things. I mean, as Ryan said that we are the bride of Christ. So even if you're not married and you're single, you're still partaking in that. That's right. But aside from the Lord, 
you know, we, we are nothing. And so like one of the things that I, um, I always think of this scripture and I'm always thinking to myself, Lord, when are we going to come into the unity uh, of the faith in Christ Jesus? Because we're so disjointed in, you know, in our Christian faith. Like we have all of these denominations and we all disagree on the theology of scripture. And it's like, when are we ever going to come into that? But like, I think of Ephesians 4.13 that says, and this is the NIV version, uh, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Well, the King James Version actually says, um, till we come in the unity of the faith and in the, of the knowledge of Son of God unto a, into a perfect man, into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Like we are one body. And that's hard for us to understand because we have our own opinions and our own ways. And it's like, when are we ever going to come together in, and, and have that unity? It's whenever we're submitted to uh, what God speaks to us and we are submitted to his way and to his will. Even Jesus said, you know, I and my father are one. Yeah. And so we can see that even with them, they function as a unit, I remember Mila, I was reading this book to her, and it was a really extensive book we found. I think it's called uh, King of Kings or something like that. The Two Kings. The, the two, kings. two Kings. Yeah, and it was interesting because it talked about Adam, the first Adam, and how he failed. And then the second Adam came, which was Jesus, um, and he restored us to the rightful place with the Father. And Mila put her hand on the hip, and she was like, what, why is it like God and Jesus? Like, I thought God and Jesus are the same, you know, and I had to give her an explanation that, yes, they're, they're like, they, they're separate, but they're also together. They work together because she also saw um, a skit that we had at our church. Try explaining the Trinity to a child. Yeah. yeah, but it's just interesting, like even her realizing that. But um, I guess in our mind, encompassing that we are created in his likeness and his image. But how do we operate in unity. Yes. Because we cannot accomplish what God has placed inside of us to accomplish as individuals. How how can two go if they do not agree? Yeah. How can two walk together except they agree? Yeah. And, you know, we see in the Psalms, I believe, 118, it's unity where God commands his blessing. We see all throughout the Old Testament, whenever they were of one mind and one accord, and they begin to worship God, say, you know, the Lord is good, his mercy endures forever, that the glory of God came in the midst of that unity so that the priest could not even stand to minister. That was in the book of Chronicles. And then we see that reflected again in the book of Acts chapter 1 and 2 when they were in the upper room in one mind, in one accord. That's when the Holy Spirit came and, mm -hmm. and really uh, moved in them and multiplied the church. We have to come into unity in that regard. And we have to, as male and females in the church and in marriages, we have to learn how to collaborate and learn how to yield to one another and the unique expression that each of us have to play in, in the unfolding of the plan of God. Women cannot be men and men cannot be women. Mm -hmm. As much as we try to uh, change our outward appearance, or create these caricatures of what we think femininity and masculinity looks like. We cannot change the reality that is written within our DNA, within our chromosomes, that either you are a male or a female, and you don't have to wrestle with your identity. 
you you have in as much authority, uh, no matter if you have one genitalia or another, God gives both men and women together the authority that they need to fulfill that dominion mandate, to, to take authority over the chaos in this world and bring God's divine order. But if that divine order is going to happen, it's going to start in the home. Most of the marriages that we're counseling, their struggle is with this gender balance in the home and this fight. And we have these sort of societal and traditional beliefs about what it means to be a man and a woman and what that role is that we're supposed to play. Um, But in the next couple of episodes, we are going to be talking about what does it mean to be a man and what does it mean to be a woman. And you've got to listen to this because this could change everything for your marriage. And if you're dating in particular, it could change the way that you date. To know the importance that God is putting upon this decision that you're making, you're not going to be able to date casually anymore. You're going to know who you are, and you're going to confidently come into the room with another person and be able to say, this is who I am, and this is who God has called me to be and what he's called me to accomplish. We're also, next week, we're going to talk about Psalms 23. Let's end on that very quickly. I want to read it. And I want you just to begin meditating on it for this next week. I want you to go to Psalms 23 and say, Lord, reveal to me my identity in Christ. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is all about identity. The Lord is my shepherd. Before you can discover who you are and what you're called to do, you have to first discover who he is and what his role in your life is going to be. David had this profound revelation. As a shepherd himself, sitting there in the field, he protected the sheep. He fought off the bear. He fought off the lion. But at the end of the day, staring up at the stars in the sky, He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He goes on in other Psalms to say, when my father and mother forsake me, I believe it's Psalms 8, then the Lord will lift me up. This is talking about identity. When you have come from a broken family, and let's be honest, all of us have come from broken families in one way or the the other. We are all wrestling with sin until we are born again. So, We've got dysfunction in our family, but at the end of the day, the Lord is our shepherd. And because of that, we don't have to want. We don't have to continually reach outside of ourselves and outside of him to give us what we need. He's already given us everything that we need to fulfill our purpose and to live the, live a, a thriving, successful life. I shall not want. Just making that statement. The Lord is my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. And we're going to go deeper into this, but meditate on this for the next week and come back to us 
to this podcast, Needed Conversation, as we dig into what the scripture means and how it relates to you discovering your identity. Then we're going to talk about the role of a man, the role of a woman, and then finally we're, we're going to talk about how we as parents can shape and mold our children's identity from the time that they're born. Um, any final words, Victoria? Yeah, I wanted to end on John uh, 10, 25 through 30. So the scripture that I said, I and my father are one. So I went back and read a few verses before. So it says, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. And it's just so interesting how we were talking about Psalms 23 and how, you know, us recognizing or us saying, is the Lord our shepherd? Is he truly our shepherd? Do we hear his voice? And that's how we can walk in unity and in his will and in his way is if he is truly our shepherd. Yes. And we know that he is. And if you're struggling in any way, you uh, need prayer, you need some support, text us 864-428-7131. We will be sure to respond and pray for you. As always, we want to encourage you to partner with us on our mission to help people discover their purpose in Christ, grow spiritually, and ultimately build marriages that reflect the heart of God so that they can have healthy families and we can pass on generational blessings. That's the purpose of our ministry, Empowered Culture Ministries. You can go to moremostforever.com or ryancoleempowerment.com right now and donate one time or better yet, give monthly of any amount all of your support is going towards our mission and you can see it right there on the website what we're called to do and we're going to be laying out even more vision this year we're going to be having a retreat for married couples we're going to be doing some stuff with singles and then ultimately we have a vision of having our own uh property retreat center we are already identifying property now so please be praying for us that we acquire the, the right space to be able to have a retreat center for for couples, for singles, for families, you name it. We're going to be doing it and in 2023. So be in prayer with us and uh, make sure you like and subscribe. If you're not following us on Instagram or Facebook at More Most Forever, you should do that today, right now, right after this podcast is over. Um, here's to a wonderful year, right? Set your intentions upon God. I'm telling you, if you allow him to reveal to you your identity, it's going to change everything about how this year plays out. So until next time, this has been Needed Conversations with Ryan and Victoria. Thanks for joining us.